This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. My name is Deborah Fitzgerald, editor for The Pulse. And today I have a guest with me in the Bailey's Harbor studio, and his name is Aaron LeClaire. Welcome, Aaron. Good morning. So now you are the director of emergency services for Door County. And so we want to have a conversation about what keeps you all busy, because we certainly hear that you're busy. We hear the sirens. We hear you working all the time. So thanks for coming on so we can talk about how the season is going, because I would like to know how also it differs from a regular emergency services department that doesn't have lots of water around it and lots of tourists. So um, let's start by talking about what emergency services is, like what your department does. Sure. Really, at the end of the day, all we do is provide ambulance service to the residents and visitors of Door County. We do that from four stations throughout the county in Brussels, Sturgeon Bay, Sister Bay, and Washington Island. We're really here to provide emergency medical care to the sick and injured. Uh, is truly the the mission of our department and do that with an excellence in providing the best care possible. We do that with a mixture of uh, 69 personnel that we Hmm. have on the roster of the department. Are those full-time, part-time, a mixture? It's really a mixture. We have uh, three command personnel, myself, and then two captains. We currently sit with 24 full-time paramedics. Hmm. We have five part-time paramedics. We have 29 EMTs, and then we have six advanced EMTs. And all of the EMTs and the part-time paramedics currently, they function as a, on a part-time basis. Um, okay. So basically, they, they work their hours. Um, they're not on a set schedule. Uh, the paramedics, the full-time personnel are all on a set schedule. And then we also do have two um, billing personnel that we do have to bill for our services. We are a combination of the revenue we generate off of that and then also what we don't make up, we, we uh, are very grateful for the taxpayer support throughout the county. Okay. So now EMT is emergency medical technician. Correct. So at its most basic level, then you are responding with an ambulance and medical personnel to treat the person once they are rescued, or do you also partake in some of the rescuing? Uh, we Over the years, we've evolved, and in, in because of the relationships we've built over the years with the EMR groups, the fire departments, the law enforcement agencies, the Coast Guard, we really strive to get our personnel to the patient as soon as we can to solve their problem or help mitigate their problem. So with that, when available, we'll put our people in different spots with the fire department rescue boats or the DNR or the Coast Guard, work with a lot of the fire departments on high angle rescue or rope rescue to go over the sides of cliffs and put our personnel down there again to get them as close as possible to the patient. We also spent uh, the most recent trains we've really been working on is uh, confined space rescue to um, help meet the needs at the shipyard, places like that, where mm. folks are working in very tight spots that 
can create a very complicated rescue as well. Okay. And really your people are the only ones on site who have the medical training part of it, right? Correct. And that's, we're unique in the state because we are a countywide service. Um, oh, that's unique. It is. In, in, in Wisconsin, it's unique. Uh, we're one of five, I believe now, and only one of two that are actually paramedic level. Oh, really? Uh, so what, are, what normally happens? Where do they normally come uh, from? A lot of times they're supplied by the local fire department okay, um, or a private ambulance service uh, hmm. that, that municipalities contract with. Okay. You know, Florida, California, they have a lot of countywide ambulance services, hmm. whether tied to the fire department or not. So in Wisconsin, we're pretty unique. And they, they had a lot of foresight back in, the, in 1970 when they created the department. That was really where we got our foothold. Um, and became countywide. And that's really allowed a lot of opportunity when it comes to funding and how we're funded um, because it, it makes it a little more stable and it spreads the it spreads that burden amongst all of our taxpayers. And we, we understand it's a burden and we also are very appreciative of the of the support we've gotten over the years uh, as the service and demand for service has grown. Uh, obviously that translates to more tax dollars needed. So we're very respectful of how supportive the public has been of us. Okay. So now I would imagine that that need would have arisen because of the geography of Door County. We're surrounded by water, kind of isolated. Yeah, it it really, we've had to build the, the system differently. In a lot of other parts of the state, they're able to rely on mutual aid a lot more. So neighboring communities helping each other out. Again, because of the geography and all the water, we're, we're in essence, on an island, even though we have mm-hmm. our own islands, but it, it takes a long time for us to get help from out of the county. So we've had to build the system to be very robust and meet that need as we're seeing more, uh, we call it multiple calls for service in the same response area. That that has really grown drastically over the years. And as an example, just in July, you know, we had two ambulances out of the same station over 80 times. We had three ambulances out or three calls for service in that same territory. It was 12 or 14 times. And we got up to three calls for service. Uh, I'm sorry, four calls for service uh, three times. So so you mean they're being called at one time? Yeah. So these, the, they're being dispatched at the same time? Or within, while one truck's on a call taking care of a patient, another call goes out. So What accounts for an increase in a stat like that? I think it's can be tie directly to the population increases we've seen, right? The, you know, the census, I believe finally we broke 30,000 truly on paper. Mm -hmm. But I think we also know that COVID opened a whole new, opened a lot more people up to this world that in remote work and things like that. And people found that Door County is a great place to live. It's an excellent place to raise a family. And because of internet, and I know there's a lot of folks still working on the broadband things and, Mm -hmm. and that such, but we believe there's more people up here that isn't going to reflect on the census that shows we're only at 30,000 people. If we truly only had 30,000 people, our call statistics wouldn't be that big. Mm. And then obviously from, you know, Memorial Day to Labor Day and now even later into the year, all of us know how many people are up here. And, you know, the Divisor Bureau has done an outstanding job of getting people up here. Um, <laughs> on one hand, that's great for mm-hmm. the community, the businesses, things like that. Uh, public safety wise, it's it becomes a challenge to, okay. to meet the needs. So then um, do you have statistics in terms of the people that you respond to, whether they're visitors or guests? Because I know I was at a safety commission, a highway safety commission meeting this morning. You were there as yep. well. And they were talking about the number of crashes 
And in particular, and we'll get to this, it's the intersection at Culver's that they were particularly talking about because that's viewed as a very dangerous intersection. And they were saying that 89% of the crashes that occurred there are actually people who live here full time. Correct. Our statistics on that are a little harder to drill down into, but as we've looked at it over the years and tried to just do it off of the mailing address we get, the zip code, it is typically in the off season, it's around that 89% mark of the folks we're taking care of, our Door County folks. Okay. Uh, this time of year drops to around 70%. Okay. It is local, 30% being, you know, out of county uh, zip code. Okay. Is how, that's the best we can drill that down. Sure. Okay. So then it looks like that the majority of the calls are probably coming from people who live here full time. Year round, yes. Okay. That's a fair statement. Sure. Yep. So have you noticed that you're busier in the off season? We are. Okay. It, we've seen increases year round. Um, okay. It, it it's really changed a lot over the years since I've been with the service. How um, long have you been with the service? I've been full-time with the service since 2004. Okay. And, you know, when, when I started, we were running about 2,000 calls a year. Okay. In, in 2021, we ran over 4,400 calls. Oh, so, so it, doubled in the time yep. that, okay. Yep, in 18-ish years, it's it's doubled on what we're doing. Okay. So to meet that need, we've also... So how many this year so far? This year so far, we're running 10% on top of that okay. to date. So, so last year, the last full year of statistics... 4,400. 4,400. Okay, yep. and so you're running ahead of, of that at the halfway point. We are. Okay. Hmm. And, and we're seeing the increases all year round. And going back to when I started, we, you know, this time of year, you'd be running 300 a month. That seemed like a lot. That's, that's what we're doing in January, February now is we're breaking 300 calls a month. Okay. Wow. So what, what is your biggest type of call? Biggest type of call is for falls. Oh, interesting. It, it, it really, it's another thing that directly correlates back to the makeup of our population. We're the last I saw we're the second oldest County in the mm -hmm. state of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So we, last year we ran over, it was right around the thousand calls for fall. It's almost a quarter yep. of the calls that you run. Yep. And so is that like somebody who has fallen in their house or somebody who has fallen outside while they're recreating? It or? can be all of that. Okay. It's so just falls. A, it's a code that dispatch uses. So that can be all encompassing from somebody, like you said, who falls in their house to an Eagle trail up in Peninsula State Park to the grocery store. Okay. So I understand that there are more calls than we realize of people being rescued from trails in Dora County. Yep. So where where are people falling the most or getting hurt the most or where is this happening? Really the you know the county is blessed with beautiful geography, Peninsula State Park, Cape Point, the dunes, countless other parks, Highland Bluff Park up in Liberty Grove. The two spots that probably draw us the most for specialized rescue are Eagle Trail in Peninsula State Park. It's a very difficult, challenging trail. And then the Cave Point area, not necessarily for falls, but we have a mixture of challenges there between the water, the cliffs, things like that. So those two parks do draw us to them quite frequently. Okay. So people falling down on the trail or? Yep. Twisting okay. ankles, hurting knees. Got um, it. 
or just not understanding the, the physical challenge it takes to, to hike that trail. Right. So then are you hiking the trail or your people are hiking the trail whenever people yep. need to be rescued in the middle of that? Okay. Right. In so. partnership with Gibraltar Fire and EMRs, uh, sometimes Ephraim as well, the DNR service, we've gotten very good at our responses there. So we will send personnel down from the top both ways to try to, if we don't have a good location, Gibraltar Fire also now sends people by boat. Um, mm. to the bottom because we found it's much easier to extricate them via boat, oh. take them back to the boat launch as opposed to trying to hike them back up the trail if they're severely injured or huh. hurt at all and we'd have to carry them. It's easier to get them into a boat, okay. back to the boat launch, have an ambulance stage there. But again, we work to get our personnel down to the patient as quickly as possible. Okay. And so what about water rescues? Are those on the increase and about how many do you do on an average year? They've been holding steady uh, and the numbers vary. They do vary year to year. I, I think the average over the years is be, and probably runs around the 40 to 50 mark a hmm. year countywide. That many? Yep. Across the whole year? Yep. Okay. Because I know that that a number of them happen in January and February and March. They do. Yep. You know, or folks have learned to, <laughs> yes, they, they've learned to take advantage of, again, the, the uniqueness is that this place offers. So they do run kind of year round. Now the fire departments are very good at being prepared at how to handle those things and letting our folks know if they need the medics along or not. And it really varies everywhere from the different challenges that you have and the different types of rescues they can be. From kayakers in distress, you guys get to watch a lot of kite surfers out mm -hmm. front. When they first started that up, that generated a lot of calls. Oh. Those folks generally weren't in trouble, but it, folks watching from shore thought they were. Okay. But the kayak groups over the years, specifically the tour groups, you know, the fire departments worked with them to help educate their folks who were taking them out on tours to keep their people safe, change their training, uh, things like that, watching water conditions. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times those folks aren't our challenge anymore. It's folks who are coming up here think, oh, kayaking's a great idea. Let's you and I just go out and take a nice, you know, sunset cruise. And sure. they don't understand the challenges of the differences between like going kayaking on Clark's Lake or Kangaroo Lake or an inland lake or up a stream to going on Lake Michigan or the Bay of Green Bay. We've rescued a, I remember one gentleman specifically out at Cape Point who it was early, it was an April rescue. Uh, he was very cold. I mean, when we squared things away, he told us he had kayaked all over the world and never run into currents and waves and challenges like he encountered out there. Really? And it's just the cliffs, the water movement, it, it can be very challenging if you, if you don't know and aren't familiar. And, you know, we just advise people that have basic respect for the water and how dangerous it can be and be sure. smart and, you know, file safety plans with family, wear the proper attire, PFDs or life jackets, be safe. So it sounds like the Lake Michigan side versus the Green Bay side. Is one or the other more dangerous for water recreation? No, I think both are equally as dangerous. They are. Okay. So you do spend yep. your time equally. We okay. Do. Yep. All right. So is there any 
So for small crafts, like if I just want to go out in my kayak, is there any place that I can check to find out since I would probably be not as experienced? I mean, how would I check conditions? Any of the weather apps, things like that. Okay, so um, just basic weather stuff. Yep. I mean, just watch the winds if they're offshore or yep. onshore. Okay. Yep, it makes a big difference. And that'd be the first place I'd point you to would be just paying attention to the weather. I believe like yesterday, for example, the National Weather Service had issued a a uh, small craft advisory and then a beach hazard statement. Okay. So that that's simply telling you that there can be very high waves at shore and you get out a little ways away from shore and there's going to be big waves. Okay. So, so 40 to 50 sounds like a lot of water rescues a year. It can be, but when we break it down with everything we do between car accidents, you know, our folks are dispatched to every emergency there is in the county. We go with the fire departments on everything. So, so when dispatch comes in and sends anybody out, you guys are going with them, no correct. matter what it is. Pretty if it's much, an yep. accident, a fire. Yep. Okay. Yeah, the only thing we're not going to is a carbon monoxide alarm with no reported illness. Okay. So huh. otherwise we're notified of every call. Across the county? Yep. Wow. Including the island. Okay, right. And, and Chambers and all their other little islands. So, oh, right. So, 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 and you go out, you don't have equipment like a boat. No. So you just have the fleet. How many ambulances? Uh, we are up to 11 ambulances okay. now positioned throughout the county. And that we do not have any specialized equipment outside okay. of the ambulances. No UTVs, no boats, no helicopters, okay. anything like that. Um, so you're hitching rides with all of the other services. We are. And that, you know, it's been borne out through the years of how much we all rely on each other. We work very well together and we have to, because, mm -hmm. you know, none of us can really do any of the jobs individually ourselves. We're all, whether it's law enforcement, fire, EMS, Coast Guard, just not enough resources in the county, but all of us pooling together and working together. We, we can take on most challenges. Okay. Now, most uh, of the other departments, like the fire departments that are up here, they have mutual aid. So if you have a fire, you know, at the top of the county, you can get mutual aid from the other departments. You can't get any other mutual aid, correct? No, not, I mean, not within the county. Our yeah. mutual aid comes from Kiwanis, the closest, and Algoma Fire uh, yeah. with their ambulance would be the closest. Uh, we did call for them to help two Fridays ago. I oh, believe. Um, what happened then? Uh, we had eight calls for service in a matter of 42 minutes. Oh my gosh. Um, that calls all of your ambulances out Yep. on yep. the mainland. Yep. So we had recalled off-duty personnel uh, to come in and staff up. Wow. And, yep. So we, that was the first time we'd done that in quite a long time. What was happening that day? Uh, just a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, huh. Nothing specific, no major incident, just a lot of a lot of requests for service within a very, very short amount of time. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Okay. Is that, are those requests uh, verified? Because I'm thinking that with everybody with cell phones, like if I'm sitting on the beach and I see something out in the water and five other people see the same thing, I mean, is it 
you're not responding to all. I don't know how dispatch works that way, but you're not responding yeah. to all of those calls. No, yeah. not okay. the. They typically are verified okay. uh, that something is going on, or they're they'll send a sheriff's deputy or somebody to check the area if it's uh, not confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's with the amount of folks that are out on the water, the amount of folks we have on shore enjoying the, the water and the weather, you know, there there are false calls that get called in. They, mm-hmm. they believe somebody's in distress. Our job is to make sure nobody is in distress. Sure, okay. Now you grew up here. I did. At Sevastopol or where? Yep, okay. graduated Sevastopol. Okay. Grew up in Jacksonport. All right, so now, but you've been with the department since 2004, Correct. I think you said? Yep. Okay, so you're a paramedic? Firefighter? I am. Okay. Yep, and then a volunteer firefighter with Jacksonport. Oh, and okay. I started doing that when I was 17. Okay, so you've been a firefighter first before you were yep. actually getting into the emergency medical field. Yep. Okay, so since you grew up here, have you noticed a difference? I mean, you've kind of been a part of emergency services ever since you were an adult or a young adult. Did you leave the county for a while? I did. I tried very hard to go away. Um, <laughs> and I, I kept coming back quite frequently. Okay. Um, but I did pursue uh, more fire schooling. I went to a fire academy in Florida okay. uh, at one point. Did end up getting a, a job as an EMT in the north uh, for a private ambulance on the north side of Milwaukee. From there, I got uh, was lucky enough to get a job on a suburban fire department. And then they paid for part of my schooling to become a paramedic and that led that opened the door to me to move back home and take the job here. Okay. So have you noticed, uh, I mean, you spoke a little bit about how much busier it is since when you first started. Have you noticed that people do different things than they used to do? Like is recreation different? Are you rescuing people in places that you never would have rescued people before? Occasionally, I'd say yes, we'll rescue people in places you wouldn't think they'd find. But I think that comes with the 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 great job that, again, the Tourism Bureau has done in getting folks up here mm-hmm. into our county. And, and that's going to just lead to people doing more things and doing yeah. more things that are going to generate calls to 911. Right. Um, whether, you know, it's truly an accident or something foolish or not, mm-hmm. that's irrelevant to us. We're there to help people when they need help. Sure. And What's the craziest thing that somebody has ever done? Oh, boy. Uh, Has anybody ever tried to, like, scale the bluff or rock climb the bluff? And I believe they have. Not that it's, not that it's generated a call for us. Okay, we have a well, lot of, so they were successful. Then. Yeah, <laughs> we do see a lot of folks that try to get a little too close to the edge. Those hmm. tend to be the ones that, that end pretty badly Okay, that, that we have to come and help. And that's, you know, when you go to... Peninsula State Park or further up the, you know, the west side, there, there are some very, very tall bluffs. Yes. If, if you fall off, it's, it's, it's not going to be well. Right. Uh, it's not going to end well for you. So Cave Point, people actually jump off the cliff a- into absolutely. the water. Yep. And so are you guaranteed to have a couple of rescues there every year? I think if we look back through the statistics, I'd say, yeah, we're, we're there a couple times a year, every year. And, you know, when, when we're there, it's very apparent people don't understand the the true dangers that are at Cape Point, and it, it's it looks like a really cool place. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. photographed all the time, and a million people go there. That's the county's yeah. number one park. It is. They had that stat from just Memorial Day yes. to, to Labor Day last year, and that's it's a it's a really cool thing. It, it really is. It I love that people love going there, but. It, 
it is extremely dangerous there if you don't know what you're doing. And, and every year people prove they don't know what they're doing there because mm. it looks like fun. And sure. if you know what you're doing, it can be fun. And mm. we understand that. And, you know, y- you can't, you had referenced the highway safety meeting before this morning. And the gentleman from this state had said, you can't engineer your way out of every problem. Oh, yeah. Right. He, he made a comment right. somewhat along those lines. And, yeah. you know, after the last incident at Cape Point, we were, we were asked very pointedly, why do you allow this? Mm-hmm. Well, one, I don't have any authority not to allow it, but two, we don't need to necessarily restrict everyone from enjoying the beauty of that place or doing things like that because a couple people, truly a handful of people, were debatably irresponsible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's been conversation over the years about life rings or lifeguards or, you know, fences, things like that. And that those are decisions for people well above my level. But it kind of goes back to that gentleman's point this morning that you, you can't prevent everything. Mm-hmm. We try. We try to get better at prevention. We talked about the f- the fall statistics before, right? Mm-hmm. We do try to prevent that. We're working with the ADRC, the Aging Disability Resource Center for the county. At, uh, we were making really, really good progress on a program before COVID. We do have a program that we run that, that works in partnerships with our folks in the field and the, the folks at the ADRC. And we were working to bring the hospital into that program as well to start helping people take care of themselves better or fix certain things at home uh, Hmm. to try to reduce those falls. And uh, just even to bring awareness to like, what is the number one fall so that when they're doing something like that, they would think about that. Right. So we're working on those types of programs and and, uh, public relation programs or to start getting more information out to people. We're, We're not very good at the PR part of the what we should be doing. Well, so. and they were talking about that this morning too, right? So Absolutely. we were talking about that intersection at Culver's and it's Gordon Road, also known as County Road BB. And it comes right up to Highway 4257. So you have the gas station there, you have Culver's there, and then there is a little firework. Well, it's not very little. It's a fireworks, you know, place. But there have been, I think, think he said this morning seven accidents for this year yeah, alone roughly yep. and uh, you were talking a little bit about how when you do respond to accidents there you have to shut down the highway which is not fun for anybody but they were talking about different things that they could potentially do with a long-term solution of trying to get a roundabout in that location But then they brought up, what about education? Most of these accidents are happening when people are trying to turn and go north. So they're trying to, off of Gordon Road, they're trying to go north. So instead of doing that, go south, take the roundabout, and you'll come right around and go north. And that way you would eliminate 10 of the accidents, I think, that they've said over the total number of accidents they've had there, the majority of them in any event. So education like that is is what they were talking about, trying to get that out there. It is. And that's, you know, when you look back at the, and I'll go to the fire departments and specifically in this county, fire departments are, they're excellent at prevention. And right there in schools every fall and fire prevention week. And they, they, you know, that week was created to educate and starting with kids and they have programs throughout the year, 
you know, even so far as uh, Chief Heck up in Sister Bay doing the AED program and teaching community CPR. And those are good prevention things that help in the long run. And for our department, for the sheriff's department, the sheriff's department's doing much better at public relations. Our department has a long way to go, but this is an opportunity uh, to start doing that with specifically the double B in the highway intersection uh, mm-hmm. to Sergey on that, you know, talking about safety out at Cave Point, places like that. Cause when we look back in the fall prevention programs, our first real program like that to try to help educate and, and we just, we know we can't do it by ourselves and we need the help. The ADRC has been really good at getting word out to the folks that they interact with all the time, mm-hmm. much better than the folks we do. We talk to our patients, is when we do it and but that's already after the incident has happened so we're trying to prevent that next one and we just hopefully can gain this momentum right now and and keep working on that and the the fall prevention one really is our our priority right now just because of how significant of a part of our call volume it is throughout the course of the year so now the department has undergone quite a bit of change. I remember when I used to cover county government, like in the early 2000s, it was a completely different department that you had. Now it's separated into emergency management and emergency services. So what is the difference between them? Sure. So like you said, emergency management used to be a, a sub-department of our department. And what emergency management is, is it's really preparedness. And it's preparedness on a, a lot of different levels. One of their big focuses is weather, right? And tornado safety and winter safety and things like that. But most of their work is done behind the scenes. And, and a lot of people don't know how important they are to the community. Unless there is a Major global disa- pandemic. Yes, correct, correct. And and the gentleman, Dan Kane, that runs that department now is now also responsible for dispatch and communications as well in the county. But... He did, he did yeoman's work uh, throughout the pandemic on coordinating it. And that's the other big role they play is coordinating all the emergency response agencies and public health and helping them get the resources they need is really what they're doing. Uh, and also the other big part of what they're doing is planning for large scale events uh, and disasters, but also the everyday stuff with chemical storage in the county, things like that, and having those pre-plans and sharing that information with fire departments and reviewing it. They call it the LEPC committee, mm-hmm. the local emergency planning committee that's made up of county board members, members of the public that to make sure people know and are double checking the work uh, that Dan is doing to make sure the community is prepared. Right. Plain simple. And it's, he does a great job uh, okay. trying to take that workload on. Okay. So that, so they split that off. That was probably, when was that? That was uh, about 2017-ish, 2018-ish. Okay. Um, when they took that responsibility away from us and created that new Department of Emergency Management and Communications. Okay. And then you were placed in the director position Early 2018. Okay. So I think you said you had 69 employees? Correct. So what's the future of the department? You always hear about how, you know, it's hard to get paramedics. It's hard to get people in your field. So so what do you see in the future? Well, right. And just before we go to the future, I'll talk about today. We're very fortunate in the fact that we're we're doing well with full-time staffing. We're a little low on our part-time staff, whether it's paramedics or EMTs. We just did another successful recruitment of those folks. Uh, we brought in three paramedic positions and then four EMT positions. So we're very happy with that. They'll enter the field training program and we'll push them through there. What we've done recently is is 
started a recruitment program. We, again, I talked before about how we're not good at public relations. This was another area uh, that we were behind the curve on uh, in recruiting future people, uh, young men and women into these positions. Uh, because when you go back to when I was getting into this world, it was you'd have 100 qualified applicants for one position on a fire department. Really? It was yep. a really hot Very job? Competitive. Huh, interesting. Um, you know, good, decent pay, stable, you know, benefits, stable jobs. Yes, right. right. Um, we've really seen a change in the last couple, you know, five, six years where that's changed. And we don't believe the pandemic really helped our recruitment efforts because it brought in about another, just one more danger that comes to the folks that do the job. And there is an extremely high demand in Northeast Wisconsin. You know, this is a national problem. There's no doubt about that for volunteer fire departments, EMS, even full. And we're now seeing it graduate to the full-time fire departments in EMS. Hmm. And we knew going into this year, there were going to be 56 open professional firefighter EMS jobs in Northeast Wisconsin. In Northeast Wisconsin. Just in okay. Northeast Wisconsin. Wow. And we were part of that. We had six new positions coming into the new year. Now, okay. we were we were successful in filling all of our slots. Like I said, we're, we, we technically are full staff today at the full-time level. Mm-hmm. But we now know that we have to do a little more at recruiting and, and we're, we're kind of copy in the military in essence where we're going to we've tried it with a few schools and we're basically going to go into the schools the local county schools you know each school once a week and hit each school once a month and just start talking with the kids and and explain to them the, the benefits of doing this kind of job and oh, the, the reward you get from serving your community because that's really what you're doing is you're you're serving your community your neighbors and that's a it's a good job it's a it's a a good feeling to have. Um, there are definitely some very challenging parts of the job that come with it, but we're much better at recognizing that nowadays and taking care of our own physically and mentally as opposed to how we were in the past. Okay. Um, so the other great tool that we were uh, given by the county board supporters with some of the ARPA money is we'll now be able to... And um, ARPA is American Rescue Plan Act dollars. And you were one of the departments that received some of that money. We were, yeah. We put in a, we proposed a program to start paying for people to go to EMT school, advanced EMT school, paramedic school to help recruit folks into the department because it's been a pretty, it's become a very big fiscal investment to make to get into a job that sometimes doesn't doesn't pay really well and it can be demanding, very demanding work. And that was for ongoing training or the initial training? That's actually for the initial training. The initial training. Okay. I remember the county board. I remember that meeting. They were all very supportive of that Um, program. Yep. It's been great. That was done a long time ago in the past to get people into the field. You know, in the grand scheme of public safety, EMS is kind of the, the baby of the group, right? Fire departments, law enforcement, they've been around for uh, you know, depending where you look in the world, thousands of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, EMS is still pretty new in that in that hierarchy, I guess, if you call it that. So we're still kind of learning our way and, and getting along with that. But the county's been very supportive uh, recently, helping us build this recruitment program. And this was a, another big step in that in okay. that way. I guess I never really thought about, um, you just mentioned that you've, you've, you've grown as a department in terms of taking care of your people, both, you know, physically and mentally. I, I, you know, I always consider people who enter this field as having a certain mental aptitude for the kinds of things that they're going to encounter. And perhaps they do. I would not be able to go into that field, for instance, but that still doesn't mean that they don't have reactions 
to the things that they're responding to and seeing all the time. Is is that the biggest part? It, it really challenge? is. And, and what they've found over the years is that sometimes it's not one specific bad incident that is affecting our personnel. It's the, it's the re, repeated cumulative seeing people in just really bad positions in life, right? And what that what that can do to, you know, somebody's head seeing that over and over again. And, and again, we've learned to have resources for our people. What we saw uh, within the past year after the new year is our own staff created a peer support team internally to be able to provide those first steps and watch and gave us, uh, they found some training, sought it out for the crews to teach them about signs to be looking for in their partners and their coworkers and the, the first responders as well. Okay. So now the future, what does the future hold? I mean, I would imagine that maybe it's like the rest of the country and that the baby boomers are aging out of the professions that they may have joined a very long time ago. They are. And we've, we've started to see some of our senior folks that, you know, they've, they've put their years of service in and they've, they've earned the privilege of retiring out. How long can you be a, an EMS? Like, is there a, is there a date by, you know, I know with firefighters, they're always like, well, when I'm about 55 or 50. Is yeah, that- there we're, we are, uh, it's one of the, one of the really good benefits of the job, we are classified like law enforcement officers where it, we're protective service, so we're allowed to retire at 53. Okay. Um, we, it, that all depends on when you got into the career, right? sure. your years sure. of service and things like that. But we had uh, two folks recently who got to retire with uh, one with 29 years, the other with 34 years. Um, oh, wow. You know, so we're, on one hand, extremely happy for them and proud for them and you know, the, what they've given to the community and the sacrifices they made, their families made. And on the other hand, I'm, I'm kind of sad, right? Because it's so much knowledge and experience right. that's, that we're, we're, we're seeing walk out the door and just hoping that we were smart enough and learn the lessons we could from those folks. Sure. So what we're, tr- you know, what our challenges will be going forward is still trying to meet the needs of the community, right? Mm-hmm. And figuring out a, a fiscally responsible way to do that as well. So, in the near term, you know, one of our bigger challenges is going to be maintaining education for all of our staff. And we're also responsible in, I'm embarrassed it took me this long to mention the, um, the EMR groups in the county and how absolutely imperative they are to the success of our program. Those are the first responders. So there, there are a lot of E acronyms in your profession. There are, yeah. So there are the EMTs, which are emergency medical technicians. Correct. And then the EMRs. It's an, an emergency medical responder. And that was, you were correct. They used to call them first responders. Okay. Uh, FEMA changed the title. So we're okay. all using the same language. Uh, first responder now just kind of classifies everybody in public safety. Sure. Oh, yes. So, right. Yep. Uh, the EMRs are typically supplied by the local fire department or the lo- local municipality. Um, there's 11 of those groups in the county. Okay. And there's a, so not quite for every municipality. Correct. Okay. Yep. But for every fire department? No, you still have a couple oh. separate outliers. Sebastopol okay. is still on their own. Um, oh, because they con- contract with Sturgeon, Sturgeon Bay, Bay Fire, Fire Department. Yep. Okay. Brussels and Union are together in a group. Okay. Um, not under the fire department. And then the town oh. of Gardner is separate, not under a fire department. Oh, okay. The rest have eventually just migrated under the fire departments. But okay. Those folks, there's 168 of those folks in the county. Oh my um, gosh. And that number is actually down quite a bit over the years. Again, those are typically volunteer folks. 
that may be getting a stipend to go on a call, but nowadays with gas, the way it is, things like that, those folks are truly sacrificing to serve their neighbors, the community. And it again goes back to how imperative they are to the success of our services. And it's because of them, because they're integrated in their communities. They more often than not know who they're responding to. So that adds a level of comfort for the folks that are going through that uh, emergency. And they're there very promptly more often than not. And we still have some pretty significant response gaps for the ambulances in the county. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So so these people just, they're getting their first most likely, yep. and they're providing the basic medical care to try and stabilize whatever they're finding in the patient. That is correct. Okay. And, you know, they they have to go through school for that to get that initial yes. licensure as well. And then every couple of years, they have to, all the time, they're, we're all going to school because you have to maintain your licensure through the state of Wisconsin with continue, mandated continuing education. Okay. Um, so they, they make a very big commitment to the communities they serve. Right. So where are the gaps? You have four stations. So we have the four stations. You know, we've been very fortunate in the last couple of years to see improvements in our stations, build new stations as, as circumstances change. The biggest gap in our county is kind of the middle where we are here, the Jacksonport Baileys. Oh, that's comforting. <laughs> Thanks. <Sorry>. No, um, <laughs> the, I thought of that after I asked the question. I'm like, oh no, we're going to get, we're going to worry some people. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it was recognized back in 2015 when they did an ad hoc uh, study group made up of county board members, fire chiefs, community members, and they kind of prioritized what we needed to do. And priorities changed, municipalities that were able to partner up sometimes move up in the front. You know, we built the new headquarters station in Surgeon Bay, uh, moved into there around 2018. Late 2018, we finished the Brussels project with Brussels Fire Department, Bug Fire Department. An opportunity arose two years ago uh, to purchase uh, a building on the island to upgrade that. And we were partnered with the fire department there, but due to multiple different reasons, it, we, we built on our own up there. And the need we need to meet now and figure out what to do is kind of the Jacksonport Egg Harbor area. Is, okay. is That's where the dividing line is between the Sturgeon Bay Station and the Sister Bay Station. Yeah, sure. Okay. So that is the next priority. It, it is in the capital improvement project budget proposal. I saw uh, that. So yep. what year are they looking at that for? I believe it's up to 2024 now. So yeah, that puts okay. it about the two-year mark. Right, uh, right. So that that is one of the bigger things that'll be coming up next is addressing that and figuring all the things that that come along with that. So it'd be a huge improvement, you know, for response wise. We, like I said, we have some big gaps. That Cave Point area is a very long response for us because there's no good way there. Right. And then it goes to the other challenges, just is building that recruiting and and recruiting more people into the system as we go forward and then figuring out the other needs of the community. One of the things we'll be talking about with our oversight committee next week is uh, trying to help the hospital out with transferring patients to Green Bay. So you don't actually transfer patients now? Right now, we only help in the case of really true emergencies or life and limb type emergencies because we're not the system the way we built up the system it wasn't designed for those types of calls and when i say that it's it's not that our paramedics don't have the skills needed to do those types of calls it's really the the time commitment of sending one of our trucks out of the county for that period of time so we're gonna we've been talking with the hospital trying to figure out how to help them uh, because those folks going there are our 
there are people, right? Sure. There are neighbors, right. there are family. So if there is a, a way to do that, that we can help them, we will. So they don't have their own ambulances. No, You they are don't. it. Correct. So when you take them to the hospital, then they must be airlifted or how uh, do they make it to Green Bay? Combination of helicopters or companies outside the the, that come up to the hospital. That are driving to up here from Green Bay or further away. Okay, uh, to, to finish that, that transport. Yep. We did have a private ambulance in the county uh, years ago, paratrain ambulance. Oh, the gentleman sure. did a did a you know fabulous job trying to meet the needs of the hospital. And when that went away, it's it's been different. People trying to cover that, fill that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now it's to the point where we'll start having those conversations to see if there's a way we can help them with that. Okay. And again, right now we're only doing it in those certain instances. Right. Um, okay. So it sounds like there is a lot of growth in the future for the department. Yep. Possibly. Possibly. And again, everything we do is dictated by trying to meet the needs of the community. Um, right. First and foremost. And hopefully we can get to a point where we're being a little more proactive. When, like when we talked about the fall prevention program and, and things like that and kind of model a little more after the fire department's ability to to do prevention and but that takes people sometimes other resources that right now are we're we're using those up just responding to the calls and which is what we were built for right Um, so now it's time to start looking at the next steps of that okay well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming in to talk with me today. Uh, this is kind of a soundproof room, so I don't know if there are any ambulances have gone by, but you're, I think, I don't know if you turned off your... I did. Yep. Okay. I could see them on my watch, though. Oh, you <laughs> could. Okay. So I don't know how many calls you got while we were sitting in here, but I certainly appreciate you coming in. To I think it's really important... Your department, uh, the people that are in it are the first people that that somebody is going to see when they they really need somebody for medical attention. And so it's so good to get an overview of what kinds of services we actually have here because we don't want to see you. And so we won't really know anything about you if we don't have to call you. So so thank you so much for giving us that. You're very welcome. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. All right. So this is Deborah Fitzgerald, and you're listening to the Dora County Pulse podcast. And our guest today was Aaron LeClaire, and he's the Director of Emergency Services for Dora County. All right. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.